Hello and welcome to Freelancing for Journalists, the podcast that tells you everything you need to know about working for yourself. I'm Emma Wilkinson, a freelance journalist specialising in health and medicine. And I'm Lily Cantor, a freelance money, health and lifestyle journalist. Uh, We have been working on our podcast series, Freelancing for Journalists, for a few months now and the plan is to launch it hopefully in the next couple of months. Um, and we also spent most of last year writing a book of the same name, which is due out in July. Yeah, and we were towards the end of putting this series together and then coronavirus started and it has got in the way of us making this podcast and it prompted us to put together a special episode three weeks ago now on how coronavirus has been affecting freelance journalists and we put that episode out straight away. Yeah, and um, a lot has changed since then. So in such a short space of time, we're now in lockdown. Uh, Schools are closed, businesses are closed. So we wanted to do another episode talking about how it was impacting freelance journalists and provide some more up-to-date advice. So much like everybody else, we've had to relocate. We're no longer in our swanky radio studio. We no longer have team of producers and editors around us we're recording this at home and we've got all of our guests in different locations so this will have an impact on the quality so please bear with us um yeah so today with us we have uh georgie fuller and joe lepper who we will bring in shortly um but first we wanted to outline some key developments in terms of financial support that have uh, been put in place since our last podcast Yeah, so initially the Chancellor announced a financial aid package for companies and employees so they could continue to be paid if they weren't at work. Um, But it was um, unclear at that point what help was going to be put in place for self-employed people. Yes, and we know there was a lot of concern among freelance journalists who'd suddenly lost a lot of work, um, particularly those in certain sectors such as travel writers, those doing a lot of events. Um, about what was going to be available uh, if you were self-employed? Yeah, so I'm just going to go through now some of the things that are in place um, for the self-employed. So if you do have coronavirus symptoms um, and you're self-employed, you're not eligible for statutory sick pay, but you can apply for employment and support allowance. Although the caveat there is you need to have enough national insurance Um, payments over the past two to three years. You can also apply for universal credit and the rules around universal credit are pretty complicated. We'll put some links on our podcast website um, to those but the amounts vary. Um, They're not huge um, but you're looking at between sort of 300 and 600 pounds a month. And yeah, as I mentioned previously, the coronavirus job retention scheme was initially set to run for three months and it was to enable companies to get grants so that they could furlough their workers. And the Chancellor has said this would then extend to anyone covered by PAYE. So this this is a bit really that's relevant to freelancers um, or those in short-term contracts or freelancers who work through limited companies if they pay themselves through PAYE. So that's the big thing here. It's, it's whether you're paid through PAYE or not. 
Um, yeah, so now on to the self-employment income support scheme that the Chancellor announced on the 26th of March. So the key points of this are, um, under the scheme, self-employed people would get up to 80% of their profits to a cap of 2,500 per month. Um, and HMRC are going to work that out based on your average profits from the past three years tax returns. Um, if you've got multiple income streams, as um, many of us have, you will need to earn the majority of your income from self-employment and have profits under £50,000. Um, the grant is for three months, um, as with the Employed Worker Scheme, um, and you would be paid that in one instalment. But you can't make the first claim until the start of June. Uh, you can, however, and they have confirmed this, claim universal credit up to this point. Um, to be eligible, and this is not totally clear how they how you be able to prove this yet, but you need to have lost income due to coronavirus. Um, HMRC will be identifying anyone who may be eligible and contacting them. So at the moment, you don't need to do anything. Um, you should be getting information about that from HMRC. Yeah, and they've also announced an option to defer July self-assessment tax payment to next January. Um, so there are definitely a few measures in place, but as we know, freelancers are pretty diverse, um, tend to do lots of different things, work for different people. So definitely not a one-size-fits-all situation. So you really need to kind of do your research and find out what applies to your personal circumstances. There is loads of good advice out there. You can look at the HMRC website, assistance advice, and also the NUJ have put together some really useful guidance and if you have an accountant then you know definitely get in contact with them and, and see what they can help you out with. Um, we should point out also that there, there will be people who will miss out on this so perhaps anyone who's new to fr freelancing who doesn't have three years of tax returns um, to show their earnings, anyone who has had reduced income at any point in the past couple of years, maybe maternity leave um, or perhaps they've had a short-term contract yeah, so I mean, there's loads to discuss um, on our show today, and it's still not totally clear how this is going to impact our tax bills in the future. Um, Rishi Sunak has suggested that he will still raise national insurance contributions for the self employed once the pandemic's over. So, you know, this may come back to kind of sting us in the backside um, further down the line. Yeah, and you know, finances are a big worry for lots of freelancers at the moment, but there's lots more we want to talk about and not just um, the financial stuff. So let's bring in our guests. So um, I'll introduce them first. We have Georgie Fuller, who is a freelance journalist, speaker, guest lecturer at Oxford Books. Um, she's written for, for everyone from Take a Break to Tatler, specialises in writing about parenting, women uh, and work, and writes regularly for The Telegraph and The Guardian. Hi, Georgie. Hi, hello. Um, we've also got um, Jo Lepper, who's been a freelance journalist for around 20 years, covering a diverse range of areas, everything from social health, social care, health, local government, education, charity, and even fantasy football. Uh, he's based in Somerset, and most of his current work is online. So let's, let's start asking both of you how things are going for you. Georgie, how has this affected your work? Have you lost work? I've lost quite a significant amount of work over the last couple of weeks, um, all from nationals. Uh, one was a big supplement, which I don't know how much I'm allowed to say really, but um, it was a supplement about universities. And because all the universities are closed, that's obviously been postponed for the foreseeable future. 
this particular paper are quite good at paying. They don't do kill fees, so I'm hoping I'll still get um, most, if not all, of, of the money for that. Um, I also lost a couple of other pieces which were sponsor content for the same paper because the sponsor said that they didn't have the advertising revenue uh, and they didn't want to be promoting what I was writing about at that particular time. Uh, and then there's a couple of other pieces, just they didn't fit the kind of news agenda now or it's changed. There's one which the observer didn't want to do a kind of reactionary piece. So that's not going to run. And there's a couple of other pieces for the Telegraph. So yeah, I've probably lost between uh, eight and 10 articles now. Um, and then there's also, there's a B2B website, which I do a kind of regular gig for. Um, and I normally do say two to four articles a month and I haven't had anything. I think I've had one piece this March because their people are just you know, cautious um, and understandably uh, anxious about how things are going to pan out. So you know, in my experience, they're holding off commissioning some of them. Um, and yeah. Yeah, I was going to say I've had the I've had a similar experience because I'm because I'm a health reporter. I do actually have a lot of work on at the moment, but I have had editors say to me, um, "We really need you to do this," or you know they're struggling to do all the work they need to do, but they're not sure what their budgets are, so they've not commissioned yet. It's kind of a are you available if we can? Um, but they're still kind of trying to find their feet in terms of their finances. Um, Joe, what 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 about you? What's um, well, it's been it's been a bit of a mixed bag, really. So, I mean, I've had I've had the dreaded phone call from some clients uh, last Monday. I had one, um, you know, about those new shifts you do. Well, uh, we haven't got a freelance budget anymore. Um, it, it the the hint I'm getting though is that it's we're talking about two three months and then it's going to reassess. Um, others have said we're completely fine and they've got in touch and said, um, you know. I know you might be worried about what's happening, but um, we think we're going to be fine here. Carry on what you're doing. Um, and others, it's been more carry what you're doing, but can you focus it a bit more around coronavirus? <laughs> so um, understandably, it's dominating the news uh, agenda. Um, an example of that is uh, a regular news shift I do for a website called Charity Digital, which specializes in... Um, basically a lot of tech issues around the charity sector. So, you know, fundraising uh, platforms, those types of things, you know, video conferencing tools. And of course, the whole charity sector, like, like us all, we're all uh, like at the moment, here we are um, in um, doing sort of home, home recording, video conferencing. We're all using these tools remotely. So that, that area is a, you know, a big growth area for them at the moment because you know, lots and lots of interest with the sector. But yeah, not the same for everyone though. Yeah, it, I, I think that's sort of similar to what I found is that I've got a number of different clients that I write for and they're, and they're trying to do different things for different mm. people now. So some of the like the regular series that I write um, for the Sun Money Online have been totally put on hold. So they don't want any of that content. But what they do want is quick turnaround stuff, which I don't normally do. Um, I'm normally sort of longer lead time mm. features so I'm now like putting the kids you know in one mm. room and saying um don't come in the bedroom I've got to do mm. an interview yeah. you're not allowed in <laughs> um so there's that sort of stuff and then I'm finding um like stuff I do for money wise they want ideas for the summer um but I'm like how on earth do I 
pitch ideas for the summer because we don't know where we're going to be at and they want kind of non-coronavirus stuff and coronavirus stuff so I'm, I'm kind of thinking that's really difficult to know what people are going to need to know in a few months time i know it's, it's like um, we're, on a, we're on a tightrope aren't we where um everyone wants to know about coronavirus you what you look at those headlines but at the same time we don't want to know about coronavirus we want to know about other things other things yeah. that make us smile rather than make us depressed it's, it's impacting um, every area of our lives isn't it yeah. doing things like this to you know what we go out and buy to having our children at home to you know there's no area of our lives at the moment which isn't affected in some way by coronavirus so it's a difficult one isn't it how to the pitch you know and and yeah similar with the monthlies the, the lead time if you know you're working on something now then that's probably going to be august september how do we know what's going to be happening then it's also precarious um, and being freelance is precarious enough anyway and now we've got this Yes, and you kind of feel sorry for the commissioning editors as well because they're in the same position as us. How on earth are you supposed to plan Absolutely. for that and plan issues? Yeah. So that, that's really, you know, I, I think that's good to hear, quite reassuring for you to hear that from clients and editors that, you know, we're, we're okay and we're going to keep things ticking over because I haven't had, apart from one really nice editor I've written loads for, um, who's at The Guardian. Uh, who said, you know, don't take it personally, because I was like, oh God, another piece has been put on the spy for, and uh, not necessarily, you know, forever, but postponed, and, um, and he said, just don't take it personally, you know, what you said really, Emma, that we're just trying to kind of find out how things are going to unravel, and we're doing our best, and, you know, you journalists are unfortunately the ones in the kind of feeding line for the articles, but um, everybody's in the same boat essentially yeah so georgie have you found that the type of things that you're pitching have you kind of to try and mitigate that are you doing work that's quite different pitching ideas that's quite different i mean i've just done a feature which i don't know whether it will um hopefully it will come out on thursday um but it's for um the daily mail and they over commissioned terribly um and you know they always do kill fees as a kind of general um get out clause because they so often don't run stuff especially for print but yeah I mean I don't know whether I, I should say but it's not something that I would normally write about uh put it that way so it's a kind of light-hearted take on coronavirus uh with lots of pictures and, and lots of case studies uh so yeah that's not something I, I would normally pitch um but apart from that I mean I, I don't think it's it's had that much of an impact I mean I've, I've written pieces I do quite a bit on self and well-being and um, I did a really good I thought interesting interview with somebody that's written a book called how to feel good in difficult times which unfortunately timing wise we've just sort of missed the boat on because it, if it had run three weeks ago it would have been fine but now it's not going to be scheduled for another four weeks and it's already been done um, so it's quite tricky to gauge when you're going to need something by and, um, and get it just right yeah I mean everything's so fast moving I found that that's a problem in the area that I work in that I'll pitch ideas and uh, there's a publication I work for in Australia and by the time we've had 24 hours of them getting the pitch and then it's kind of it's moved we moved on to something else entirely it's really hard to find those things that are a bit more timeless I guess yeah 
And I think um, at the moment, because of social media being so reactionary and because of so many different things trending, um, you know, as you say, things are moving in, in record time. So I wrote an article yesterday, a first person comment piece, and I'm now thinking today, is that going to be relevant? Because after the Queen's speech and Boris going into hospital and things, you know, a lot has changed since yesterday morning uh, when, when I wrote it. So, you know, and again, there's nothing from the commissioning editor about what my pay rate's going to be or you know I haven't written for this particular one before so there's lots of questions and you don't want to keep badgering people at a time like this when you don't know if somebody's off sick with coronavirus you don't know what they're dealing with you don't know whether one of their family has it so it's difficult to kind of be like you know chasing invoices and asking things at a time when you think well you don't know what people are dealing with yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? We're all sort of juggling so many different things. And, and I think when we did the previous podcast, we were talking about, um, you know, lockdown and the schools um, closing and then that's happened and we're kind of two weeks into that. And I just wondered how everyone's sort of coping with that. I mean, Jo, what, what's it like for you well, having... I'm having, yeah, the having, the around? Kid, having the kids around? Well, I've been um, working at home for... Oh, a long time. <laughs> um, you know, on and on. It, it, I, when I first started um, freelancing, which was way back in 2003, and um, I was going to London a lot, uh, doing new shifts and uh, covering conferences and those types of things. But and then gradually over the time, but since the last decade or so, since the last recession, really, I've worked at home remotely much more. So I'm used to having the kids around. Uh, my kids are 11 and 15. Um, so, you know, they've been there in various um, ages <laughs> over the years. The weird thing at the moment, though, is because of um, they're all at home from school. And so my partner's sort of being a sub substitute teacher for them. Um, I'm sort of helping out a bit with some of the, the software stuff that the, the teachers are, and, and us are trying to get to grips with. But I'm also keeping, um, I'm trying to keep um, school hours if you, if you see what I mean um, because we can only go out once for a walk so we've got a dog and so we're dividing our time as a family you know half of us go out for one of the dog walks half of us go out for the other so I have the one at the end of the day and in the mornings um, as a quite an unfit person I've been doing the uh, Joe Wicks workout with my youngest and um, and he's been putting me to shame so that's my my working day has changed but uh, back to the original question having the kids around hasn't really changed I'm just used to it that's what I do <laughs> yeah how about you sorry I was gonna say Georgie how about you have, have you found it tricky you're, are your, your kids a bit younger aren't they so it's been chaos out here <laughs> uh, yeah I mean my youngest is five my middle one has just turned eight just had a lockdown birthday last week bless him um, and then my eldest is 11 my eight and 11 year old aren't too bad if they would basically just be left with playstation and lego and ipads they would be quite happy they would just spend all day on the screens not doing anything um my five-year-old is quite well you've already met her <laughs> she's quite needy and likes to be around me and likes to kind of know what i'm doing uh, and you know she has sort of short concentration span so with the others I can set them up for something for sort of 10-15 minutes and then leave them to their own devices for 20 minutes half an hour uh, whereas with her it's sort of a shorter span but I've, I've got Disney Plus <laughs> I would recommend that uh, and I've got a temp for the garden and we've got a puppy um, so you know they've got 
time to keep them occupied with but I think I've had all the guilt of the homeschooling and the dreaded uh, parent whatsapp groups of all these people that are doing 50 page powerpoint presentations for fun <laughs> and you know, all these um, really enthusiastic children and my children are all lazy basically they're all really really lazy um so trying to you know year six year three and year one and get them to do anything has been challenging shall we say um we did have a few days last week i had a deadline and my husband's the breadwinner you know what i make doesn't cover very much so his work does take priority he's not used to working from home I am so in a way it's been arguably more of a change for him um but you know we did have words should we say um, <laughs> and we split a couple of days last so that he did an afternoon and, then, and that that really helped that really was was a great leveler. um but that thing was after I'd done a kind of ranty tweet which he then saw about him but you know I did get a good result from Yes, I mean, I left the uh, school WhatsApp group. I can't recommend it highly enough. <laughs> I left it basically as lock. It was before you, lockdown yeah. started. I just, I thought I've got, with work and having the kids at home, this is one extra thing that I don't need. Um, I don't, I, I really feel I haven't missed out on anything. Um, but Lily, you had a quite yeah. a complicated setup with trying to find time yes, to work. Lily and Emma, well, I know how old yours are. Emma, was a bit young. How about you, Lily? Yeah, mine are seven and four. Um, but to be honest, they've just adapted really well. I've been really impressed, actually. Normally, they argue all the time. Um, and they've just suddenly kind of gone, oh, right, this is our life now. Um, we're just going to get on with it. So they've, they've been great. They've just adapted. Um, and I've been kind of doing school in the morning. And working in the afternoon and and they've kind of got used to um me doing that i think we've got a routine we kind of do try and get school out of the way from like eight till 12 although that is slipping because we're all getting up later and later now um but yeah it's been okay um but i have been working a lot of evenings because i found like doing a half day is not enough um so i've been working till at nine o'clock most evenings um and at weekends as well my my husband's still able or still is going into work um so i only get one day where he's sort of doing a four-day week now so he on a, a midweek i i get a whole day to work so i'm trying to compress my time i suppose um i'm fortunate that my parents have got a second home that they're not in at the moment so that's where I am at the moment. Um, I can escape um, the kids when my husband's around. Um, so it's just been about adjusting to it, really. Um, yeah, we've got Disney Plus as well. But I'm getting a bit... Um, all my boys talk about Star Wars. Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. They draw Star Wars, they play Star Wars, they have Star Wars Lego, they watch Star Wars. It's, it's yeah, it's getting a bit, bit intense when it comes to but um the only thing that's happened that's been a bit, a bit of a disaster i don't know if you can tell but my glasses have broken and i've had to sellotape them back together and um oh, i had to call is that on yeah. coronation street yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and i was like okay i ran the opticians today and i was like 
what can you do? Because you're not doing sight tests. I know my prescription's about four years out of date. I can't bring the kids down with me. Anyway, we've, we have sorted something out. I'm gonna, uh, they are going to allow me to go in and they're like one, one uh, person at a time. But it's just little things like that. Where you, normally it wouldn't be a big deal. And now it's like, right, how am I going to do that and not take the kids with me? Um, and, you know, do, yeah, it's, it's just juggling really. And I think we're, you could just got to remember that everyone's doing it really. Yeah. I mean, I have a couple of uh, shifts a week that I do that are kind of long-term uh, new shifts that I do from home for um, two publications and um, it's really good that I have that regular work but I've actually found it way more stressful than usual because that work is very intense because you're doing breaking news and news it's not like a feature that you can put aside until the evening um, so that's been quite difficult kind of trying to manage my stress levels with a constant stream of kids coming to want me to print out colouring for them yeah um, but yeah, I mean, I guess everybody's finding their new normal, aren't they? So um, have you um, written any articles kind of recently that you never imagined that you would be writing? I haven't in the last um, week or two, but I, I, th I think at this time, as similar to, I don't know whether you were freelancing back in that, the last recession in 2008, yeah. nine time. And a, a similar thing happened. Suddenly, suddenly uh, work went. Um, and you have to you have to look in different ways. It was slightly different then, slightly more positive because the coronavirus now is is affecting every sector. But then there were certain you had to move between different sectors. So um, you know, I was I was well for a start. Now I write about fantasy football and I do a podcast and videos for Fantasy Football Scout, one of my clients. But back then it was a tiny small blog and. I, I submitted an article and I didn't, you know, it was just, a, it was not something I wrote about. I did not write about football related things. And, and you know, and over the last decade, it's been one of my biggest clients and um, yeah, hundreds and thousands of people I mean, listen to me talking, waffling on about fantasy football, but I never imagined it was at that time. So I just want to say as well that, that yes, you do do the things you perhaps, you know, take you out of your comfort zone a bit. But at the same time, that can be a good thing because sometimes it, you might take to it and you might be, you know, there for a decade later. You never know. Yes. I mean, I think we mentioned in the previous podcast, we're still seeing editors asking for commissions. There's still, mm. when there's freelance jobs list going round, there's still lots and lots on there uh, for different kind of aspects. So whether it's copywriting or kind of more traditional journalism, and um, so there are small rays of light in there and it might mean doing something mm. that you wouldn't normally write about. If you're a travel writer, it might be kind of moving into something completely different, but actually in the long term and in protecting your income long term, that can be quite a positive thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm up for doing that kind of thing now. I'm quite excited because I don't know what I'm going to be writing about. This is why I don't know whether we all become freelance journalists because of that reason. You, you move away from your, your, one, your one paid gig as a salaried employee to something that's different. And um, I don't know what I'm going to be writing about next, but I hope I'm writing about some things in the next month. Um, but I don't know where it's going to take me. Um, and I hope, it, I hope it's in an interesting direction as it, as it did, you know, in that, that bad times of 2008. Yeah, and I think it's, it's that willingness to kind of diversify and kind of expand your networks and you know now is the time more than ever I guess to 
to um, kind of tap into those people that are still looking for content that you you know you wouldn't necessarily normally pitch to. I know I've started pitching stuff to a magazine um, that I wouldn't normally write for. Um, and again, it's non-coronavirus related stuff, so that's quite nice um, because it means I can kind of get away from that at least. Um, and I think that's the thing is you've got to kind of think, right, well, I can't get, you know, work in this particular area, but, you know, there are other things I can write about and kind of taking up that, that challenge. One thing that I, I was wondering about that we mentioned at the beginning a lot about the sort of financial packages that are being made available. And I just wondered, um, kind of either of you have sort of looked into that and whether you think that there is enough financial support for the self-employed or do you think you know that some people are going to fall through the cracks joe i know you sort of do various yeah. different things I'm, I'm through i'm through the cracks <laughs> i've been <laughs> loopholed basically um so i'm a um limited company director i made that decision a while ago not because i wanted to pay less tax as uh as the chancellor seems to suggest, but the, um, the reason I did it was because obviously when you're self-employed, you have to pay money on account for the next year. So you're paying your taxes for a year you haven't yet had. Mm. And if you had a good year, the taxman obviously assumes you're gonna have a much better year the next year. And you're, so you're suddenly paying thousands of pounds, which you haven't got. Um, so I didn't wanna keep being in that cycle. And so I'm in the cycle now where I pay corporation tax, tax on dividends, so I pay tax all over the shop for lots of different things as a result i've been loophole so i can furlough myself and claim um money on my paye bit which is um, one small part of what i earn because obviously you get money from dividends um and uh, as yeah i don't get so if i was self-employed only um and not a limited company director i would i would in theory in june you get 80 percent over three months and that could be that could be around seven thousand, seven eight thousand for some people. Um, or is it six? Yeah, it'd be about seven thousand or so. But yeah. for me, it's it's nothing. It's, it's barely anything. And that and also, if I furlough myself, that means I can get a few hundred pounds a month and not work for anyone. I'm not allowed um, yeah. under the rules of the furlough. So um, there's a petition which is going out. Um, uh, which has, uh, I think I checked it this morning and we're up to, it's up to 284,000 people have signed that. And it's essentially talking about um, small, this is about any sector, not just freelance journalists, but it's about those, those limited company directors being included somehow um, as those, as in the same way that salaried employee, employees and uh, the self-employed have got. So yeah, we, we're not getting anything really, um, you know, apart from very minor scraps. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very important. I find more work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just shows, doesn't it, that we, like we'd said at the beginning that we're all a diverse bunch and have a really different setup and different ways of earning income. And um, you might have a, so I have a pay YE portion to my salary because I work at Sheffield Hallam university as a part-time lecturer, but that's a zero hours contract. So how would that work? I'm not getting any money from that at the moment anyway. And I only get money when I'm teaching and all the teaching disappeared or gone online. So it's, it's, it, it's very unclear if, if you haven't got um, kind of the quite 
straightforward business model that they've set out um, this for. I mean, Georgie, you um, have you looked into this? Because obviously the other thing is you might have lost quite a bit of work, but you still have some work. And how do you juggle knowing what to claim and how to do with that? I mean, I have to be honest and say I haven't even really looked into it properly. I mean, it just seems as though it's really muddled and it's really confusing. I'm very easily confused. So, um, but it, yeah, it looks as though like Universal Credit. I wouldn't even know where to begin. Their HMRC website, I just hate looking at, and I just kind of go into a sort of, I don't know, um, not quite a meltdown, but I'm don't seem to be able to absorb information from those sorts of things uh, Lily you're probably in a much better position writing about finance stuff I have got an accountant now um, I've got a pension for the first time um, I'm trying to be a bit more financially savvy and aware of what's going on um, but no I mean at the moment whilst I'm well and healthy uh, touch wood and still able to work um, as opposed to kind of looking for the advice I mean I'm struggling with the Sort of what we talked about a bit before about not having boundaries between looking after the children and working and working in the evenings working the weekends but whilst i'm still doing that i'm able to keep earning um which is my main um main concern but also i am looking at diversifying i mean just sort of before this really the outbreak and the lockdown kicked off um i was speaking with i've done a few media training sessions and i was speaking with a pr about doing a bit more of that because my lecturing oxford brooks uh the module has basically gone down to what was sort of four or five different lectures a term to one or two so that's the kind of avenue that's potentially closing um income wise so i'm looking at how I can you know earn money from from other ways other than just content um I think there'll always be a need for content um but just you know looking at my skill set and how I can how I can make money um not not just writing which I've been doing for sort of 10 or 11 years um so yeah I mean I'm not at the moment I'm not signing up to any of the I've, I've signed the petition about self-employed people but it seems to be very vague and a bit confusing and I'm not willing to try and tackle it at the moment but that might change. Yeah I think you're right I think it is confusing and I think um, there I think if you get your income through various different ways it, it's even more complicated and I think you're right the, the kind of the best tactic really is to try and diversify and earn money in different ways rather than first of all thinking oh what this what what can the state give me um although obviously it's different everyone's got different circumstances and and, and some people might not be able to do that um but i think you're right it's sort of it, it's where right i can't get work from there but where can i get work from um, I always think when you're in a bad situation, some, something touch wood has always come up. You know, when I've been sort of anxious and worrying, something has come up somehow. You know, I've I've had a weird pitch at three o'clock in the morning, or, or something, or someone I've seen somebody's name on that Sissian alert and pitched somebody that I haven't spoken to before, and got that's led to something else. So I'm quite, I'm not feeling too defeated yet. Um, I'm still feeling reasonably optimistic optimistic i think we're all doing a really good job of being glass half full here i'm impressed with us all because it is about <laughs> plugging away and tapping into those networks and thinking it's like a little risk assessment of yourself isn't it what are my skills what 
can I do to protect my finances a little bit more? Um, what can I offer? Um, have any of you done any? So I know that I started, for example, um, saving more of uh, payments that have been coming in. So I used to put kind of 20% away to pay tax or whatever, and a little bit would go into savings every month. And now I've been putting much more aside when I have been being. Is, is, what kind of steps are you taking to protect your finances joe I'll, I'll ask that to you yeah i mean i i mean i it's something i've done for about a year anyway last um year i had a, a bit of a health issue and i was out of action for about two months um so um ever since then i've thought i need two months <laughs> i need i need enough money saved to keep me keep us as a family going for two months at any time because you never know when you know that rainy day fund's going to be needed and boy are we in it at the moment so that's um so for me it's something i've been doing all the time so at the moment um i've got that 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 savings there but obviously each each month that's going to go down i've gone from earning um more than we need for to, to, in order to pay the bills etc to earning less so obviously those savings chipping away each time so um that's the problem so if this goes on for maybe three months um it's bad but doable if it goes on for longer than three months then uh myself and i imagine many other freelance journalists are um going to struggle or um hopefully we've all diversified now glasses are half full and <laughs> we're all smiling away about it but uh, but uh you know it, there's a lot of a lot of pressure going on as well um you know especially those i mean i'm the main breadwinner of the house so um yeah a lot of pressure I mean, I, I'm not responsible for paying the mortgage, and um, that is a huge, huge relief. Um, but I do you know, have, have outgoings, plenty of outgoings, um, so it can be really stressful. Um, I think having written this feature, which hopefully we'll see the light of day um, after it was right, about how to um, feel good in difficult times. I spoke to this psychotherapist who was really helpful and really calming, and she said about having a survival budget um, and avoiding morale drainers and you know finding a tribe of people and um you know i've got a couple of fellow freelancers who live locally one used to work at the same magazine as me um another lives about half an hour away and we kind of text each other and, and message each other and you know we've done a few whatsapp facetimes just for kind of reassurance really that we're all feeling like this uh, we've all got young children we've all got kind of pressure um i mean if my b2b job um my kind of regular gig if that goes, I will be in quite a, a difficult situation. But at the moment, I think they haven't said that. They've just said, okay, we're just, you know, looking at um, how our content is going to pan out over the next month or two, and we're you know, going to be meeting and talking about our commissioning. So I'm hoping once that's done. But you know, I, I have a buffer um, in that I'm waiting for sort of various lump sums to be paid in. And hopefully they will. And um, and I'm yeah a bit more careful now than I was a few years ago and paying in money to another account so that you know I know that there is a sort of rainy day pot um, if I need it. Yeah, it's interesting there that you bring up about networks and support because Lily and I have both found that even before coronavirus, that being connected to networks of other freelancers and having other freelancers um, to bounce ideas off. Um, to kind of talk things through when you're hitting difficult times it's so useful for kind of support and morale and ideas um so is this 
would you say this is now the time to make even more effort yeah. to tap into those? Yeah, I, I would. I would definitely. Yeah, um, because um, it's it's something. I think when you're busy, you don't have time for it, <laughs> and so when you're not busy, you do have time for it. So I've got more time for it now, and I sort of regret not allowing myself time. And I think I think the big change from this would be that uh, when sunnier times are here and um, busy, busy, I actually still make time to do that networking. So that you know that can be across social media. It can be all sorts of ways you're doing that. And it's also networking with other types of professionals as well. So I write a lot about the charity sector and I find charity fundraisers, marketers, uh, communicators, they're very, um, there's a lot of crossover, obviously, with the types of things you're, the types, types of technology you're using as well. Um, and when you're a freelance journalist, you, you haven't got like a big or news organization behind you. You are your own news organization. So, um, you know, you, you need um, those kind of, you need that support there. You don't have an IT manager sitting in your, your room at home. <laughs> so, but you need that support from people. So I'm finding, finding that kind of thing what's useful. And I want to do that more. And uh, it's something I regret not doing in the past. I want to do it more. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it has just underlined, hasn't it, how important those networks um, can be. Um, and especially, I mean, in terms of everything from finding new bits of work to has anybody else applied for this financial support? Did it work for you? Have you, you know, just finding other people who are in the same situation? Because as a freelancer, it can feel very much like you're on your own quite a bit of the time. Um, so, Georgia, yeah, I'm guessing that you're quite pleased to have those networks at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think it's something, um, I don't know whether it's a gender thing or, or not, but like I've, I've nurtured it, you know, I, I have kind of grown those networks and I have put more um, emphasis on, on that, I suppose. And I saw a coach, which again was through a work thing, somebody recommended, I was a bit cynical about it, but I saw, I had like three coaching sessions and, you know, one of the things was thinking about yourselves, it sounds so naff as a brand, you know, mm -hmm. social media and and you just kind of go oh no no I'm not like that and but then I kind of went away and thought about it and thought you know it, it is all about sort of reaching out and connections and at the moment what I'm doing a lot of this week which I'm not getting you know any financial reward from but I quite enjoy doing um is things like this you know I'm doing a couple of an insta live chat I think on Wednesday I'm doing like an evening um podcast chat with somebody about you know you know, just the juggle really a working parent which I, I write a bit about parenting anyway and that has become kind of one of my patches that I cover so it, it falls under that um, but doing things like that it's all about sort of connecting with people uh, and I think when I had that coaching session they she looked at sort of what was important yeah and I can see Lily nodding because she's had the exact same experience <laughs> something you really miss as a freelancer something that I've missed working from home so yeah, anything from somebody retweeting something or a message on Facebook saying oh do you want to try so and so you know that return the favour and you know you pay it forward and so on Lily what were you yeah 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 no, I was just smiling because I, I saw a life coach a couple of years ago and they said exactly the same thing um, to me when I was trying to work out how to kind of brand myself. I was thinking in terms of genres, you know, am I money? Am I health? What am I? And she said the same thing. You are the brand. It's you. It's, it's not the stories that you cover. You're selling your strengths and your personality. Um, 
And that gave me the confidence to call myself a money, health and lifestyle journalist because I do lots of different things. Um, and when I talk to some people, I will say I'm a money journalist. And when I talk to other people, I'll say I'm a health journalist. Um, but actually, yeah, it's about you as the brand. And this is something that we cover um, in our book. So we've got a book, Freelancing for Journalists, that's out in the summer that covers a lot of the same topics as the podcast. And there's a whole chapter there about brand me, um, as well as the networking side of it, which, you know, as we've said, is really important. And I think one of the things at the moment as well is about um, kind of finding out how people are being treated as well by different organisations. Um, and I know this happens all the time, but I think it's good to know if, certain publications are like you say paying kill fees or if they're paying quickly that you know if they've shifted away from payment on publication um I've, you know i have seen on some of the networks people saying that some publications are actually dropping their fees now they're sort of saying oh we'll still hire you as a freelance but we're going to pay you less um so it's you know there's a mixture of practices going on but at least if you're kind of informed um that really helps and, and just on that i just wondered um how both of you have found the kind of payment side of it now the, the organizations that you pay for have they been kind of more helpful now or were you finding you're getting a bit of pushback i've I'm, I'm, been lucky recently um by recently i mean the last few years um because all of us have had bad payers in the past just but just paying late <laughs> just you've got to chase up the invoices for but um so I've, I've tended to focus on clients that are good payers that just pay on time i don't have to keep spend time chasing up they just pay um and i i guess with electronic banking obviously you know that's nothing massively new but it's new for some publishers to use that more frequently i remember you know seven or eight years ago something going in checks and things like that but um now it's like that so what they're doing now for coronavirus is sometimes they're being sure and uh, giving me assurances so things like um you know make sure you get that invoice to me this week i'll make sure that's paid as quick as possible and i'm, I'm starting i'm looking at my bank account and seeing seeing some invoices have been paid pretty quickly um but um i yeah my, my clients are on the whole pretty good anyway so yeah i mean i've noticed this as well i did have um someone who commissioned a couple of features and immediately on me saying yes um put the email through for the purchase order say to make sure that that's done mm. and you don't get any hold up um and yeah that's no that's amazing mm. um, but it, it seems like it, they they're thinking about it which is something um, at least yeah absolutely. I think um, I mean I haven't written for many new people and I think that's where the problems usually occur in my experience if it's you know you've got to fill in half a dozen forms and ridiculous number of, of details just to get paid um, but I'm on the kind of self-billing invoices for four or five of, of my sort of regular ones um, at the Telegraph I've got an online portal thing now that you go into and fill your details in um, I mean I think it's something that editors are really concerned about uh, good kind editors and especially you can tell the people that are freelanced because they understand your concerns there'll, there'll always be people that don't um, but yeah I mean I, I haven't experienced I, I've had one coronavirus delayed 
uh, Invoice, which is an Australian news site, which I haven't written for, um, who wanted, yeah, loads of details, IBAM numbers, numbers and things like that. Um, but apart from that, um, I, I mean, I'm waiting on a load, but I'm hoping that they'll come through over the next few weeks. Um, but yeah, I mean, rates haven't gone up in my experience. I mean, I've been doing this for 10 years and I don't think rates have gone up in that time since, um, when did you say, Joe? I'm probably like five to six years after you, I think 2010, 2009 I started. Yeah. Um, I think they've pretty much plateaued. Uh, you know, yeah. And I always go with the NUJ 250 per thousand word minimum, but lots of them, you know, pay significantly less than that now, especially the, the digital for some reason. Um, digital seems to be paid so much worse than print, even yeah. though mm -hmm. the process. I mean, I think it shows, doesn't it, especially from our point of view, how I guess we have to be on top of the admin and putting the invoices in quickly and making sure it's all there just to try and speed that process up. Um, we have, yeah, I mean, we I've could, yeah, up. sorry, Georgie. Yeah. Oh, I think we might have lost there. Well, I was just going to say, I think, because we've been chatting forever now, and we could probably talk about this all day, but I think that's probably a good place to uh, leave it. So um, thanks so much to our guests, Georgie and Joe. That was really helpful and some really good tips and advice there. Um, so as we talked about in our first podcast on coronavirus, the key message is not to panic although that might, you know, might feel like it's the time to panic, but try and look at what financial support you may be eligible for, um, what steps you can take to protect your income where possible, how you can use any spare time to improve your business and seek out that all important support from other freelancers. Yeah, so we hope you found this useful and it's given you a bit of a taster of what our new series will be like when it is launched soon. Um, if you would like to get in touch, please do email us at freelancingforjournalists at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at Lily Cantor. And I'm at Emma Journo. And that's, that's it for this episode. So bye for now. Bye.